Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Rushir and I'm joined by my friend and colleague Slava. Hey everyone. So this week we have another episode with an entrepreneur who is real to the core. His name is Jerry Durham. Jerry is also a fellow podcaster as he runs the podcast called the Healthcare Distribution Podcast. Uh, oh, sorry, Healthcare <laughs> Disruption Podcast. Um, he is also the Chief Relationship Officer for his practices in San Francisco, called San Francisco Sport and Spine Physical Therapy. He's also built up his practices by truly being super obsessed about creating an amazing patient experience and creating some long-lasting relationships with his physiotherapy clients. And now he's teaching those skills to other clinic owners across North America by speaking at multiple events and providing a ton of resources to these individuals. He is currently also a front desk ninja, and he's providing a ton of great training to many clinics across the States and uh, some in Canada already with the perfect practice formula and the front desk certification course. And you can find this at uh, www.frontdeskcertification.com. So another fun fact about Jerry is that he has his own website, which you can visit, uh, which is www.jerrydurampt.com. And so we're super excited to speak to Jerry today. So without further ado, let's get down to business. Jerry, thanks for joining us. We're really happy uh, to have you on. We know you got a ton of valuable uh, information for our listeners. So why don't we maybe get into uh, giving you a little bit of an intro and how you got to here uh, to this point in your career. Awesome. So yeah, it's been, um, and thanks for having me on. And we've shared a little bit before we hit the record button. Um, I love coming to Canada. I've been to um, Canada now twice for teaching. I love the practice owners up there. It is a, I'm trying to think, I'll come up with the best word, but it is a, let's call it a deeper conversation um, Mm -hmm. overall that I have with the Canadian practice owners than I have with the practices south of the border. And Mm -hmm. so I always enjoy uh, coming up there and speaking to people and speaking with Canadian practice owners and dealing with the employees. Um, I have some Canadians currently in my, uh, in my front desk training program. So Mm -hmm. I love, uh, I love talking to people as I call it north of the border. So, so (laughs) it's cool. So I've been a, a physio for 25 going on 26 years. I have practice in just about every setting there is on the face of the earth. And uh, 19 years ago, I started my own practice. And over the years of running that practice, we grew and grew and grew. And about halfway through, we had to uh, we had to change our payer model. You guys understand in the states, there's a little different payer model, but not that different to be honest. And so we had to change our payer model. You know, nine years into my business, ten years into the business, we had to flip the payer model, which meant we had to now restructure and rethink about this person who was calling the office, this potential patient client customer. And, um, yeah. And it not only affected that customer, it affected our staff and it affected the way we were running our practice. And what ultimately we had to do was learn how to run a business instead of learning how to run a clinic or practice. And really what, 
what we're doing here today in 2019 is talking about this ongoing journey I've had over the last 10 years of understanding how to run a better business in, in a physio practice. And the secret here is, and I'll throw it out to everybody so you guys know the secret right now, is you can stop listening after I tell you this because you could go do it yourself, is you got to learn how to run a business. And everything I've learned, everything I teach came, the majority of it, 85, 90% of it, has come from outside of healthcare. It has come from other successful business owners. It has come from reading other successful business books. It has come from studying other successful businesses and then bringing that back into healthcare. First, actually, 10 years ago, bringing it in and talking to other people and being told over and over, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, healthcare is different, and me going, oh, this is weird. This, this is just weird. How, how can it not work? And then taking the risk and implementing in my practice and doing things in my practice and not knowing what the fuck I was doing in my practice and implementing this stuff and going, hmm, I'm seeing some changes here. And continuing to build and reach out to other people and read new books and go, you know what? There's no way. This is the only way for us to be successful. And when I say successful, successful is, is meaning getting the right person in your clinic who will pay, stay, and complete their plan of care. So that means happier patients, happier employees, and happier bank account. That's simple. So success is not measured. The success is measured by the patients, the employees, and the bank account. And ultimately, the bank account is an effect. It's not the cause. So the cause of a bigger bank account is that you understand your customer, which makes it a better place for your employees to work, which means people are going to stay, you're going to grow your practice, and there'll be more money in the bank. And that's what that's where I am today, and that's the basis of how I got here, is just chugging along and implementing and making. I know it's almost a cliche, and it's almost cool to say you made mistakes, yet let's face it, people say they didn't make mistakes or lying anyway, but I made a boatload of mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got here today. Uh-huh. And Jared, that's an incredible story. And the one thing that you really, really uh, harped on is the fact that getting that patient experience uh, down to the T and getting the patient to complete their plan of care, which ultimately drives more money for the business, makes the uh, staff happy and makes the clinic owners happy, right? So this is something that Zush and I have been implementing in our practice as well. We try to create that amazing patient experience. So we try to help the front desk in our clinics Uh, do the same thing as well as the other uh, practitioners within the clinics to buy into that awesome patient experience right from the first phone call or first walk-in all the way to the discharge once they complete their treatment plan. Um, So we were wondering, Jerry, what's the one thing that truly, truly drives the great patient experience? Yeah, this, this is good. Probably even eight, nine months ago, I'd say there really wasn't one thing because I couldn't put my finger on it. But I'll tell you, this is the one thing I see consistently. So I've done this in my practice and understand just for context for a second, for everybody listening across, you know, whatever country they're in is I went from a model where your insurance basically, and I'm doing the quote saying with your, my fingers, the insurance basically covered it. Right. You had a, like a 20, 30, 40 dollar copay. I went to a model where you might have a 20 dollar copay or it might cost you 150 dollars. Right. And so so we had to flip that. And when I first started doing this, I had convinced myself that 
what I was doing only pertained to my model of physio, right? And early on, I was like, this is for people who want to go, we call it out of network. And I said, and what I learned was that's bullshit. And what I learned was this is running a business. So what I want everybody to understand is I share, I don't care if you take insurance. I don't care if you don't take insurance. I don't care if you're trading cheap for fucking care. I don't care what you're doing. This is how to be successful in your physio practice. So the number one takeaway is you must, you must understand the person better than they do who is the right fit for your clinic. This is missing. This is missing from almost every clinic I work with, okay? And, and this is when people talk about this patient experience and getting this person on the phone and getting them to complete their plan of care. And I say, well, who is this person? Who is this person that finishes it? Everybody stumbles. So understanding that person who should be on the schedule because they will pay, stay, and complete their plan of care is the A number one most important thing. And that is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. So Jerry, paint us a picture. Like I want to, I want to go a little bit deeper into that because I think that this is, this is where that persona has really come in that, and this is what marketers really do to try to get people into their door. Right. So, you know, as someone, let's say I'm a, I'm a clinic owner right now and I, I'm not getting enough clients and I want to create this persona. What are the steps in your mind that you go through to create that persona? Great question. So here's going to be a huge takeaway for the listeners today. I guarantee you, anybody who listens to this, put it on pause after I tell you and do this because it will start making you money. I guarantee it. It works every time. You have a group of current, you have emails, you have phone numbers, you have emails. I don't care how long you've been in business. You have emails or you have phone numbers. You are going to either call, let's say email just for, just for, uh, just for continuity. You're going to email every single customer who's ever come through your clinic and you're going to ask them three questions. All right. This is going to start to build your persona, by the way, to answer your question. So you say, I don't know everybody, you know, because what's the default? Oh, everybody's happy here. I can help everybody. And I'm like, fuck you. You're not dude. McDonald's McDonald's (laughs) doesn't do that. Right. Nobody does that. So no, no. So what you're going to do is you're going to email everybody these three questions. First one you're going to say is, 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 um, I'm probably going to have to say this a couple of times because I always screw them up. The first thing you're going to ask is, um, why? No. How did you hear about me? Now, all we're trying to do is complete this little flow of information. So it goes from higher level to deeper. Mm-hmm. Second, it might be three or four questions at this point. So how did you hear about me if you don't have that information? Number two is why, here, this is huge, starts getting huger. Why did you choose us or me? It is gonna be four questions. Number three is huge too. Once you found out how much it cost, why did you stay with us? or me. And then number four, this is the one, this is the one that gets put in like 24 point font pink ink. (laughs) If you were to refer, no, when you refer a friend or family member to me, you know what I love is we always say, will you refer someone? Oh yeah, cool. And we sit around and wait for it. And then when the person calls, so, so Slava uh, refers a person to me. And I'm on the phone and someone calls and says, yeah, um, your old patient Slava 
um, sent me over and I say, that's awesome. And I get you on the schedule. I have lost so much gold. And the gold is this fourth question. Getting the referral is not enough. Number four is when you refer a friend or family member to me, what will you tell them is the reason they could, should come see me? That right there, by the way, you guys should have to pay me for being on your podcast for giving that to all your listeners. That right there, that right there. Then you start getting, so you create a uh, Excel spreadsheet. Costs a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. An Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> start collecting email responses on the Excel spreadsheet. And then you start looking for similarities. Because, and by the way, please don't do what everybody does. They start to just grab the things that they want to believe and they discount the other stuff. So you get 80 emails back, 79 of them say, you guys were great listeners. And one says, I loved your, you know, fucking laser. And what do you do? You do a whole marketing campaign around lasers because that person told you, I love your laser. <laughs> when 79 people said you listen and you look for that trend and that trend is going to be your target customer. So it's, you know, again, and, and there are all different types of models and we could say they're, you know, they're, you know, a, someone, Oh, my target customers CrossFit. And I'm like, that's great because now there are more CrossFitters than there are actually people in the fucking world. So that doesn't narrow it down. You have to find why is, why are these CrossFit people choosing? Why are these, why are these people who sit at desk all day choosing you? Right. Why are these people who, who like the maple leaves choosing you I, and I'm serious and look for that trend. Right. And it's always something it's, it's always a little more obscure. And remember this is emotional, right? So it's always, you know, they, I really felt that it was about me and I, now you're like ding, ding, ding right now. I have a way to differentiate myself because mm -hmm. remember finding this persona is finding a way to differentiate yourself because physio, my favorite analogy, physio is the same as hamburgers. And there are more hamburger joints out there. So how can all these hamburger joints exist and thrive? Well, it's because they don't sell hamburgers. Not a one of them sells hamburgers. Right? And that's the same thing with physio. How can all these physio practices thrive and strive? Well, they're not selling physio. I listen. We give out home exercise programs. It might be something about your services. You know, um, you know a runner or whatever it is. It will come out in that email. That, that's my favorite thing. I'm so glad you asked me that question. That is the easiest way for me to show value to a brand new client that I'm working with because I have them send that out and then we have all this info. And then I go, okay, put that on your website, put it in your marketing material, let's go. Let's start getting these people in and magically their visits go up. Because remember, the way to grow a practice, you guys have heard this from me, you don't need more new patients. You need more new people who are the right fit, who will pay, stay, and complete a plan of care. And this, I need more new patients, is the biggest fucking cop-out. It, it, is, it is the biggest tell. When I say, what do you need in your practice? I need more new patients. I'm like, oh, so you don't understand your patient's experience. That's what you're telling me? They're like, I didn't say that. I'm like, yeah, you did. You, because if everything is, I need more new patients, it means you got people dropping off. It means you got people canceling and no-show. Why do you have all these slots on your schedule when you, when you had 30, 40, 50 phone calls this month, right? Mm -hmm. You guys will be happy to know my coffee cup is empty now. <laughs> <laughs>
going to have to pause for a refill. <laughs> uh, but Jerry, what you said is uh, 100% true. So those two questions, how did you hear about me, um, is usually on or, every single or, intake sheet. Right? Well, right, right. So here, but, go, go, <laughs> sorry, go. Yeah. Uh, but those next three ones, uh, especially once you find out how much it costs, why did you stay with us? Massive, right? Because often uh, what we find in the Canadian market, at least, is uh, people attempt to use up their insurance and then there's a struggle to convert them from uh, once the insurance covers to a pay out of pocket model, right? So this Completely is a massive question Completely to find out about that. So, yeah. uh -huh. Exactly. And then when you refer a friend or family, which is a psychological thing, right? Because <laughs> not if, when, um, what is the reason you say they should come to me? That really uh, will allow you to double down on your strength, right? And just like drive that, drive that down the highway, <laughs> 200 kilometers an hour. So um, that's uh, exactly how this revolution is happening in physiotherapy, right? And why the patient experience is so important. The thing that Sarush and I, uh, in our practices, what we found is uh, the challenges, you're on board with these things, right? But you're a physio, your schedule's packed and you can only do so much in a day, right? The key here is that the whole team works uh, in a cohesive way, right? So you gotta get your front desk on board. So, and Jerry, we know you are the front desk expert, how to train, how to build up those relationships. So we wanted to ask you, where does that front desk fit within the patient experience? You know, coincidentally enough, and I'm going to state the obvious, they are the first step. And everybody goes, yeah, I know. Well, I'm like, so they're the entry point. Being the first step means they're the entry point. So every single paying customer walk in. And by the way, you could say, well, no, everybody calls here asking for me. And I'm like, well, who do they, who do they talk to when they ask for you? And we go through, we just went through this in my class this week, right? And I've got practices losing customers, clients, patients who are calling in and are already pre-sold, right? There's no better thing you could ask for in your physio practice than this call. Hi, my name's Jerry. I need physio for my low back pain. Your old patient, Sharus, sent me over. You're done. You're gold. That's gold. All right. They're paying, they're staying, they're completing their plan of care. I have, I have multiple examples just last week of those people hanging up without ever scheduling because the front desk didn't know how to manage that call. So they are the entry point into your business. They are the portal. They're, you know, whatever. They're the bouncer at the door. They're everything, right? They're everything. And let's face it, you know, the clubs, everything, they make their money by who's inside. So the bouncer knows who to let in. And that's why when you walk by a club, there's always 80 guys standing out front, no girls, because all the girls are inside and just saying, but it's the same thing. Nobody's going to go to a club where you see a picture of a bunch of dudes inside. And, and it's the same thing. It is the same exact thing. So this front desk is the entry point into your business. So they have to be treated in that manner as the expert and un, they have to be the expert in understanding this whole experience of this person who's on the phone. They have to understand who is the right fit. They have to understand that it's okay not to schedule people. There, there's, a, there's a brain fuck for everybody on here because 99% of the clinics, they hire a front desk person and go, okay, your job is to schedule everybody. I'm, I'm like, you just set them up for failure. 
right? Those are the clinics with the high drop-off rates, with the high no-show cancel rates. And then you, the owner who just told that person to schedule everybody, you go back out front and yell at them to schedule more people because you have more slots because you didn't train them properly on how to put the right person on the schedule. Because when the right person is on the schedule, you have less slots, which means what? You're growing. You have to add people. You have to add space. You have to add staff because now you have the money and the resources to do this, right? So that front desk has to be trained, has to be empowered. And I'm going to tell everybody a little secret. My front desk training course has far exceeded any expectations I had of it. It really has. And I can tell you in what ways. One is in the business metrics it's delivering. I had no idea we were going to be able to make the changes as quickly in these practices as we could. And the second thing, and I say the second because this is what I want everybody to remember, is your front desk people know what they need to do. There, there is, I'm going to tell you guys right now, the questions I get in my class, they, they know what they need to do. It's the clinic manager, the clinic owner that's not quite putting the puzzle pieces together. So they're not able to answer these questions. And they're, the, the front desk people are going, well, shouldn't we be doing this? And the clinic owner, all they want is schedule more new people. And so the front desk is okay. Then they come into my class and we start having these conversations and they're like, yeah, Jerry, I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying because it's kind of my opinion that if we do A, B, and C, then this will happen. And I'm like, you're dead on. So these are people who know what needs to be done because they're listening to the conversations and we have to value their input and their feedback. One of the biggest things I ever did in my practice when I first started putting this together was I meet it with my, I met with my full front desk team every two weeks. And this is how the meeting went. Right, this is how the meeting went. How's everybody doing today? Great. Tell me what's been going good this, the last two weeks. And then I let them tell me all the good things that happened over the last two weeks. I say, cool. And I'd take notes. And I'd say, tell me what hasn't been going well the last two weeks. And I'd take notes. And that would be the end of our meeting. And then if there was something big in there, then we, hey, tell me more about this, right? Tell me more about this. What's going on here? And looking for those trends. And as the business owner, it's then my job to say, okay, is this something we need to change? Here's another big kicker. If it needs to be changed and the front desk is telling you it's a problem, bring them in, bring them in. Hey, I need your guys' help in this. They're the ones pointing it out. They're the ones dealing with the people every day, right? And this is where a tool, and I'm going to give them a plug. This is where a tool like Call Hero comes in because recording that first phone call and recording the conversations is your front desk may be very new to this and they want to learn. And so you have a tool to go over things with them, how to manage this conversation how to ask the right questions, how to listen for concerns, right? So, so th this front desk is so invaluable. A everybody's trying to make money by adding the alter G, adding a laser, adding something else or hiring new people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you got, you know, in the States, in the States, I think you guys and probably in Canada too, it's, it's the least paid person on the whole staff. And I'm like, you actually, if you want to measure ROI, so return on investment, there's no greater ROI in your practice than the front desk person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. I agree. And now, you know, because we're on this topic, I want to speak a little bit about onboarding. So I think that that's a very 
weak point in our industry currently. Okay. I think that uh, from, uh, from just seeing and listening to other clinicians, from just uh, talking to everyone, we know that this is something that's not focused on. It's kind of a, a bit of a dive. You go in, hope for the best, and learn, especially when it comes to front desk, right? So this is a two-part question for me. Because we know how important the front desk is, one, we, you alluded to this a little bit, but what's the top three mistakes you've seen with this onboarding process for a new front desk staff? And then the second one is how do you make, how do you, what do you recommend for people to do to operationalize this so that, you know, it, it becomes efficient for them so they don't make these mistakes every single time? That's, you asked for the three biggest mistakes with onboarding? Yeah, for the front I, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm well, yeah, I'm going to give you one or two because I think if we sat here and just talked about this, we, we could trace everything back to these basic things. When we hire a front desk person, the objectives we give them, the goal of their role is the A number one onboarding mistake. Right? Because you and I both know what everybody's telling their front desk to do. And I already told you it's to answer the phone and get people scheduled. Now, everything that happens next flows down from that. So every mistake, and this is what I love, is everybody's always trying to solve this problem down here. And I'm like, we got to back this up. I had this conversation with someone I coached the other day. It was a brutal conversation Mm -hmm. to keep coming back up. I I kept saying, they they don't know what their purpose is in your business. Well, I can teach them to have better tone. I can teach them to have a better conversation. I'm like, the number one way to do that is tell them their role. Let me tell you this. So you hire on a front desk person, just to give you an example, because it's only this one. We're going to stick with this. You hire on a front desk person, and during the interview, you tell them their role in the company is to get people scheduled. Answer the phone and get people scheduled, and then you have these other tasks to do. Cool. I can do that. I can do that. That's, I can do that. You're sitting in an interview, the same person you're sitting across from, and instead of saying their their goal or their role is to get people scheduled, answer the phone and get people scheduled, you say, hey, hey, Slava, your role in this company, every time you pick up that phone, is to start to build a relationship with a potential customer or client or patient that will last throughout their entire life cycle with this company. And your second goal is to be a problem solver for that person. So think about what I just said. Same person, same person, right? Did I just not tell them they have a little better reason to get out of bed every morning? They have a little bigger purpose on the face of the earth? Yeah. So I think the number one onboarding issue is what we tell them their role is in the company. And that's so big. And um, that's why I love Dylan Dylan. That's why I love working with the Canadians is because you guys, and I'm going to say you guys, already have this patient experience mindset. You know, Sanjeev has done a lot of work with that. And people I talk to already seem to know this. So when I tell you how important the front desk is, your brain is already seeing the front desk as a piece of a bigger picture. When I tell people down here the patient experience, I get a glazed fucking look like I'm trying to talk hockey. Dude, you know. By the way, I'm learning more hockey at 52 years old. And I might as well be talking hockey or soccer with someone down here. It just It's going over their head, right? <laughs> so, so that's why actually in the States, I had this conversation the other day, and I'm going to be brutally honest about this. That's why I went away from teaching the patient experience and just doing front desk training. Why? 
because no one knew what the fuck to do with the patient experience. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew, oh yeah, I got to work on this person. So actually now I reverse engineer it. So I say, look, we're going to do front desk work. And I say, oh, by the way, now that you got me in the door, I need you to understand how this person is a very important piece of a larger picture. What was the second part of the question? How do we operationalize this for people who want to, you know, not make that mistake? God's honest truth in Excel spreadsheet. So we have, I have an Excel spreadsheet and it's our onboarding tool for our, we have one for the front desk and the PT. Mm-hmm. Um, we have all the things that need to be done during onboarding and we've categorized them, right? Because like insurance stuff, like insurance benefits, stuff like that might be under insurance. We then have who's in charge of doing that onboarding. And then it links to a calendar, plain and simple. And so that thing is a living document right now on there. You may have front desk call training, which, right, which I'm going to now plug my service is my front desk training course is all about is if you sign up for my front desk, if your clinic signs up for my front desk training course, you train your front desk person on how to use the um, EMR electronic medical records. You train the person on how to call an insurance company, get insurance benefits. You have the conversation about, you know, what time lunch is and where the parking lot is yet how to manage the first phone call and how to manage someone through their life cycle with your company. You send all the people through my business and I'll take care of that. And again, that would be on the onboarding sheet. First call mastery, right? Training every Wednesday, 12 o'clock you know, whatever, something like that. So it's as simple as an Excel spreadsheet, right? Make, make the categories of things you need those people to do and then fill in the categories, put who's responsible and have it linked to a calendar. Mm-hmm. Simple enough. That's how I operate, operationalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's to keep it simple, right? That's the whole idea. Cause you don't want to overcomplicate those processes. Um, the thing that blew my mind, Jerry is, uh, I've literally never heard this uh, being said by any clinic owner before um, that some patients are not right for your practice and it's the front desk's uh, goal to uh, screen out who's going to be right because you want to build that relationship with each patient, right? You want to have them be absolutely blown away. Exactly. (laughs) If you guys could see um, my wall right now, I'm showing them the two sticky notes on my wall. One says mistake number one is everybody who calls your office should be scheduled now. Mistake number two, uh-huh. everybody who calls your office is the right fit. Uh-huh. So can you talk about that? How do you screen for the right fit and what exactly does it mean to be the right fit for a physiotherapy or a multidisciplinary practice? So let's double back to the first question. How do I identify our target customer, client, patient, right? So you send out these emails, you start to measure better. People are flowing through your clinic and now you're starting to build this avatar, right? You're like, got it dialed in from here to here. Those are the people you want 80% of the time in the clinic, right? That kind of 28, 80-20 rule, right? I want 80% of the people to be these people, right? And then 20% of them are going to drive my business. Now, I still have the tells. Those people wander in. I'll still schedule them. They'll still work out. They'll show up, they'll pay, they'll complete a plan of care, but they're not going to be excited about sharing their story. Maybe they don't do the online reviews. They don't tell anybody about us. That's cool. They had a good journey with us, right? We did our job. Everybody was happy. Cool. But the 80%, 
Those are people come in, they pay, they stay, they complete their journey, they tell their friends, they tell their doctor, they're happy to share the story, they engage in other ways, right? They open the emails, they don't have to open them all, right? And those are the people we want. You identify them, those are the right fit. How do we identify those people? We make our incoming call script and checklist to match that, right? So when someone calls the office, the way, here we are back to the front desk, right? And I hope everybody understands that this whole show was about connecting this all. These are not separate things, right? And I talked about empowering the front desk and making sure they understand who is the right fit. Here it comes, right? You have to sit down with them and create that and go over that with them. Who is the right fit, right? And I always say the right fit at least has to meet the, the criteria of someone who's been prepared spiritually, mentally, emotionally physically and financially all five of those tenants have to be dealt with before they ever walk in the door now i know your system's a little different and i know the insurance thing has to be done with them there so i always say before they walk in the door or right after they walk in the door so it can be applied for you guys too um so if if I build out this script in this conversation and I allow my front desk person to have this conversation and to understand who's the right fit, then, then I will fill that clinic up with the 80%. This is no different, right? <clears throat> um, than McDonald's. You guys know In-N-Out Burger by any chance? Okay. Maybe all your listeners don't, but it's, it's one of my things being from California. McDonald's and In-N-Out Burger are both hugely successful businesses who sell what? Their product? Well, let, let's just argue. What do, you, what do you go there? You get a hamburger from them. They both are hugely successful. Now, how do you want to measure success is a cue, but they're both hugely successful. Their customers are not the same customers. The people that have made McDonald's a worldwide international billion-dollar corporation do not go to In-N-Out Burger. And the people who go to In-N-Out Burger do not go to McDonald's, right? They both understand their target customers and they do everything to please those people. And they only please those people, right? So when someone calls in and starts complaining about this or that or says, well, I really need this, and your clinic doesn't offer it, the best thing you can do, remember I said the two goals, be a problem solver, right, is to get them to the next place. Because check this out. You guys might have heard this story. I've had people refer people back to my clinic who I sent somewhere else because of the way I managed them on the phone call. Because they said, I figured if you took care of me that well on the phone, you must, your care must be excellent. And I said, thank you very much. I actually called someone once, first time it happened, called someone back. I said, why did you send your friend here? You didn't have services here. Why did you send someone here? And that's what they shared with me. So if you under, because remember, you don't want that person who's going to arrive and then drop off the schedule two visits later. Eh, wasn't for me. Eh, it, there was no value there. Eh, it was too expensive, right? Now we're back to that whole churn thing. Now we're back to, I need more new patients, right? So this all feeds together, all feeds together so tightly. It just, you can't disconnect it. And you guys have heard, and you, you, I think you both have acknowledged, there's a lot of work here to be done, right? The easy part, we're practic we're all physios. Oh, fuck, I'm going to open my doors and treat the fuck out of people. and Everybody's going to get better and love me. And I'm like, Godspeed, my man, don't fucking call me ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I agree. Um, especially, you know, it's very interesting to think about it like that. Cause again, like Slava was uh, mentioning before, it, not, we don't think like we're going to, we're not going to take you because most clinic owners want to take everybody and most, which makes, I mean, you know, in hindsight, like you would think like that would be the right move, but at the same time, because obviously you've done this and you know that not having the right person, um, there's a way to measure it in your clinic real quick. Don't let me throw this out. Yeah, go ahead. You will know if you ha- go measure everybody, go check their drop-off rate. Mm-hmm. So after you get off this podcast, go look at your drop-off rate. Your drop-off rate is the indicator of if you have the right people on the schedule or not. So this isn't subjective. This is an objective. Um, I'm not a big, you know, I'm a very subjective guy in life. I'm very emotional. I love dealing with people's emotions, but we have to be able to measure this stuff as much as possible. And drop-off rate is a great measure of this. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a great point. because I do want to ask a little bit about that too. How do you know that maybe the drop-off is because your clinician's not providing the proper patient experience or the 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 client's not good for you? Because I think there's a different difficulty of understanding that just from looking at the drop-off. So what have you done in the past to try to figure that out? Great question. Great question. Um, check this out. I'll tell you. So I never blame the client. I just did a Facebook live on this and I think it's just an easier way. So remember again, if we're evaluating a shoulder guys, right? Girls, anybody listening to this podcast, we are very systematic, right? I'm Maitland trained, very systematic. And you do it the same way every time. Why? So that you know the result at the end is because of doing it the same way. And the result is of whatever it should be. But when I do four interventions, I have no idea. When I do four different techniques, you need to approach the patient experience this way to answer your question. So if I know I'm at, if I know I know my target, if I know I'm answering the phone and using the same script and the same checklist and the same process every time, if I know everybody is going through this phase two of their patient life cycle and they are arriving with the same amount of information, then, then my metrics will be the indicator of what they should indicate. So check this out. I never say the patient wasn't the right fit. I say we put the wrong person on the schedule. Okay. So you ask me, how do we know the patient wasn't the right fit? I'd say, how do I know we put the wrong person on the schedule? Just for clarification, because we're going through the same system and we cop out, we cop out, well, fuck that person. They, you know, they weren't good for my business. And I'm like, why'd you put them on the schedule? Well, that, that person wasn't going to get better anyway. Why'd you put them on the schedule? Oh, this person, that person, you know, I knew they were going to do this to me. Why'd you put them on the schedule? Right? So I'm like, no, you don't get the cop out. You have to own the fact that you should have helped them get somewhere else, be a problem solver. So, so check this out. Drop-offs, go to one of two people. I almost thought you were going to say this. If you'd have said this, I was going to fall out of my chair. Drop out, drop-offs are for one of two reasons. Your front desk put someone on the schedule that shouldn't have been there, or your provider didn't deliver value. If a drop-off, if a drop-off occurs before visit three, it's the front desk fault, fault, fault. Just I'm doing the air quotes. It's your front desk fault. If they fall off after visit three, it's the provider fault. How do you like that? So, so why, why three? Why do you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you've never had physio. 
and I get your story and I get your expectations and you show up and you think it's a little expensive, but you're going to do it. And the provider, the provider provides the care on a valid day and you buy in, right? You're totally bought in and a val should be, and always is very emotional. Mm-hmm. So you could just say, I mean, evaluation, you know, just because someone buys into the plan of care after the eval is no way, shape or form are they a lifelong customer. Mm-hmm. So in my opinion, right, you get through that, they show up for visit one. If the process is going properly, then they're going to know pretty quick if they're in the right place. So again, if they're still like, I really don't see what's going on, really don't see what's going on, then they come back and then they cancel. Again, that was a confusion of fear, doubt, and uncertainty from, from the first moment. Now, if they're going to stay past visit, like we can say two to three, right? Two, three. If they're going to stay, they're starting to go, okay, I'm starting to get this a little more. And then all of a sudden after visit five, they're like, what are we doing? I got it. We were there. But now what's the value here? I'm, I'm not getting anything. And then they drop off. That's the PT. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It does, yeah. So this helps you. This is another thing for mapping out the patient experience. It helps you to understand where to solve problems in your practice far sooner right? For far less money. So, so if I'm going through my schedule and I'm looking at, or sorry, going through the metrics and I'm looking at drop-offs from March and there were 10 drop-offs. I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck? And everybody dropped off after visit two. I'm going straight to see who answered the phone. Mm -hmm. I'm not even going to go talk to my PTs. So I'm going to go the right direction. I'm going to take the car and take a quick left turn. I'm not going to do this long roundabout way to get back here. So that's going to save time, money, and energy for the business. And then all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, that's when my top phone answer was on vacation. That all makes sense. Right? So cool. So all I got to do, okay, bad on me. By the way, whose fault is it? Let's remember, whose fault is it? Mine, be a practice owner. Why? Because I didn't have everybody trained up properly. I'm going to, you know, yes, we fire people. Yes, people quit. Yet we have to come from the point of this is my fault, right? Not onboarding people. My fault. Telling people their job is to get people scheduled. My bad. All they do is get people scheduled. Well, why are you going to fire them? They're actually doing what the fuck you told them to do, right? It's my bad when I realize, oh my God, they went on vacation and I didn't have the rest of the team trained up properly. Mm -hmm. So again, I can go there. Yet, if you don't understand the patient's experience, you see 10 drop-offs, you go yell at the PT. Hey, I need you to keep people on the schedule. And months go by. And the same person's answering the phone over and over in the drop-off. Now you're three, four months into all that lost revenue. And by the way, you can never, ever get the time back. If you guys have heard any of my stuff recently, I'm promising people time, not money. Right? Because the dollar earned today is far more, is far more valuable than the dollar earned in June, July, August. I'll get you that dollar today. Right? And so this system, this patient experience, end of the month, boom, straight to the front desk. I solved that problem in 30 days. The other one I'm taking six months. That's tens of thousands of dollars, man. That, by the way, you can make the money back, not that lost time and all the lost customers. Yeah. I like the way you uh, look at these problems. It's very systematic, right? Like even yeah, defining that uh, from, average. Yeah, yeah, and it's, again, believe it or not, if you think about it, it's all the way we were taught to do this in school. So it's ironic that it takes us so long to circle back and go, oh, I just need to look at this person in my business the same way I do when they're in the clinic. 
Mm-hmm. Check, recheck, right? right? But Make again, sure it's check, recheck. Exactly. But again, it's, uh, I think it goes back to the problem that the business owners are actually looking at the wrong things, right? That are happening for their practice instead of focusing in on that patient experience and tracking the right things off of that. They track how many new patients come in and how do we retain them, but did we provide them with amazing value? That's a secondary question all the time. The bottom line think they look that first, right? I think retention is off the wall too. Here, I'll show you guys another one. You guys can't see this because you're see that bottom sheet of paper? Mm-hmm. Attract, sell, excite, retain, referral, right? Every system you have falls into one of those five categories, right? That's been a big part of my mm-hmm. practice formula webinars. Every, every system you have falls in there. So you have to understand how attract, sell, excite, retain, and referral are all tied into each other, right? Mm-hmm. All everybody does. And by the way, right, I'm going to show up and accelerate in June and tell everybody no more new marketing, right? And there's going to be people giving marketing talks and I get it, but no more new marketing till you understand your patient's experience. No more new marketing. You're wasting money. Mm-hmm. Invest mm-hmm. in the people you have. Again, in that ROI, you can't get, oh, I, I'm getting patients, you know, at $5 a click. I'm like, and your front desk is losing two or three of those. So you, I, I don't understand the yeah, I'm not worried about shoving people into a funnel when you don't know what the fuck to do with them after they get in the funnel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. But Jerry, you spoke about having great systems. So that's one aspect of it, right? But having great people execute within those systems is that secondary piece of the puzzle, right? So I want to ask in terms of who you hire for the front desk, uh, would you, because in my experience, a traditional healthcare um, front desk is usually does not always prefer perform as well as somebody from a customer service uh, background. So, could you allude to that? Uh, who is the right kind of person for the front desk? Anyway, you know who the right person is for the front desk? The person who fits into the patient experience that you've created. But you guys saw that coming. Mm-hmm. So again. <laughs> You guys saw that coming and and it's the God's honest truth. So after I created this patient experience in my company, I started seeing the changes in my what patients experience in the business metrics. I'm like, this is really cool. This is really cool. Early on, every one of my fucking employees quit over one year. Everybody quit all front desk, everybody and some PTs, right? I had the wrong people on my team for the experience I had created. And the reason they quit, guess whose fault it was? Me. Because they were hired into another type of a business, right? Because I had never rolled out a patient experience to them. And when we created this patient experience and when I brought it to everybody, a lot of them didn't want to be in a business that worked like that. So they self-selected out and quit. Yet after that, here we go. After that, I now, my patient experience, this is what I love about Sanjeev's work. He's the only other person I've heard say this. My patient experience map is my culture. I'm 52 years old. I've been in healthcare for 25 years. I've owned my own business for 20. I never understood what the word culture meant, and I could never wrap my head around it till about two years ago when I looked at my patient experience and realized it was a visualization of the culture that people were going to work in. So now I had a tool, a visual objective tool that I could push in front of people during an interview process. 
And so there Slava wants to be front desk at ABC Physiotherapy. And I say, Slava, I want you to understand what your role is going to be here. I want you to see the big picture. This is our customer's journey here. And by the way, I think you guys have seen my customer journey, right? The front desk is a different color than the providers. So Slava, I, I slide this thing across the desk from you at the interview and I say, Slava, here's my customer's journey. Please note this. Your role is the red squares. You will note there are more red squares than any other colored square here in this company. Your role in this culture here at ABC Physiotherapy is vital to the survival of this company. And Slava showed up thinking he was going to have to answer the phone and give people schedule, right? So now I have able to give you and show you the culture, right? And in the middle of it, I say our focus is this person who may or may not be our patient. Our focus is building relationships and moving them through this journey. And here's all your touch points with them. And you go, mm -hmm. I'm in. You go, I'm in, man. And I'm like, that's someone who's going to stay. By the way, you say, okay, I'll get back to you. And 24 hours later, I get a call. Hey, I took another job. I go, cool, Slava. Good for you. I hope it all works out. I can't lose in that model. Having someone sit at a front desk and go, yeah, I need you to answer phone, do benefit checks. And, oh, cool, you come from a service background. Cool. I still need you to answer phones and deal with people and, and check insurance benefits. Can you do that? Yeah. And I drop you in a model where, again, I don't understand the patient's journey and you can't do what you're best at. You're going to quit. This thing, this patient experience becomes the visualization of the culture in your practice business in your practice slash business. It becomes your hiring tool. It becomes your mission. I won't say it's your vision. You know, we all have a little different definition, but I say it becomes your culture. It's a visualization of the mission. It shows everybody their role in the company and the success of the company. And you come on to be a part of that or you don't. And I'm, and by the way, congratulations, whichever you choose. We need a, start with the why. We need a yeah. mic drop after that one. <laughs> yeah, dude, and <laughs> my the, day, the day I figured out that was the visualization of the culture was the day I about fell out of my chair because I was like, I finally understand this word now. Mm -hmm. So I actually, I will actually say that this is what's so hard for me when people start to separate the word culture and the experience. And I'm like, no, no dice, all this stuff. And what I see is a lot of things I read currently about patient experience and customer engagement and client engagement as they start to pull this stuff apart with culture. Oh yeah. If you understand this, then you can create a great culture. I'm like, no, this is your culture. You, you don't, you don't do these separately. These have to come this way and they have to come in the order, by the way, coincidentally that you guys have done an excellent job answer asking the questions. So I don't know if the pot and I didn't realize this till right now, the way we've been going through this is the order you need to create this who's my target customer, right? Then I start thinking about the front desk. Then I start thinking about their tasks. Then I start thinking about hiring my front desk person. And then how am I going to onboard them? How am I going to hire the right person? This is the order. It all came together. Of which, by the way, I did completely, I did completely backwards in my business forever, right? For 10 years. So, uh -huh. all right. Jerry, it's, it's very tough to, 
to uh, wrap up a podcast because I have like a million more questions that I want to ask and I'm sure Slava does too. But, uh, you know, I think that we're, it's good to leave this for a second uh, episode or third. Uh, definitely we're going to need a couple more uh, to dive deeper into this uh, whole operations of the front desk too. But uh, before we obviously wrap things up, you know, we have our uh, the book feature and we wanted to ask you what your book recommendation is for all our listeners, you know, outside of all the amazing nuggets you provided. Uh, what's this one book that you really recommend for us? Yeah, the, when I look back on my, my journey through this whole thing, there's about three or four tipping points to, uh, to go off of Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. And it's not a Gladwell book, but the tipping points in my, in my career and one of the significant tipping points was actually meeting Simon Sinek before Start With Why was released. I was a member of EO in San Francisco and he came and talked to us and I got to be part of a breakout session with like 30 people and sit in a room with Simon Sinek and 30 other practice owners and talk about this why and this Start With Why. And my Start With Why book has been my most gifted book gifted giving to other people and is my most reread book and is my most highlighted book I own. And if you think about everything, this is a great way to come back to the beginning. I like the way we're ending here. If you think about everything I've shared, we haven't talked, we never talked about the product. We never talked about the product. And that's really, that's Simon Sinek, right? The how and the what, right? Yeah. Why, 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 why do people need us? Right. And this is part of where the story comes from, right? Slava, nobody here, I'll leave you with this when you think about start with why. Nobody on the face of the earth has ever scheduled a physio appointment for low back pain. Ever. They schedule it because they can't do something or they have, you know, they can't do something. So until you get to the why of the call, you will never, ever, ever be truly successful in the way that I measure successful. You can fill a clinic up, you can churn and burn people through, you can schedule low back paying people all day, you will never ever be the true success of helping. My definition of um, practice success is helping everybody in your community that can benefit from your services. Mm-hmm. That's my measure of practice success, right? And so if you think about Simon Sinek and start with why, he gets you going down the path of low back pain manual therapy. Hmm. Maybe that's not really what we're selling. And all the great websites, by the way, real quick, which you know, there is no real quick if I'm talking, um, let's go back to those email answers you get. So I had, I had heard all the Simon Sinek stuff before we started doing this. So when all the emails started going through with words like listening, engaged, helped me, right? Uh, it was about me. I grabbed all those and fucking plastered them all over above the fold of my website. Everybody else is putting their alter G and all this other crap. No, I, you know, these guys, you know, this place listened to me. It was about my goals, right? That's above the fold on my website that nobody's offering that, right? Everybody's offering running analysis. Nobody's offering to a runner that they will sit down and listen to them and take them along their journey and be part of their journey with them. That's the difference. Anybody can give you an alter G. Start with live by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
Definitely uh, starting with the wise, one of our favorite books too, me and Sarush. I always keep saying we, but we're literally like half the same person. <laughs> sometimes they call me Sarush, sometimes they call Sarush Slava. <laughs> but uh, it's an amazing book, 100%, and it's definitely one of the top on our Audible. Mm-hmm. Um, Jerry, amazing podcast. One thing about the goals, it still astounds me to this day that some clinicians don't ask, what is the goal of the rehab? Why are you in this clinic? still astounds me but that's for the way, podcast let me, right? uh, yeah it is and let me just so everybody here is like wow this guy is so smart whatever whatever you guys are thinking i was the guy i can't believe you brought that up as i'm gonna throw myself under the bus because you need to own this shit i was the guy who would take slava through and through it evaluation and i would never ask him his goals i would set the goals at the end of the evaluation for him i'd write them down on the um, on the eval sheet so I was the guy setting people's others, setting people's goals, having no fucking idea what they wanted to get back to. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So I, I literally was that guy. Yeah. So, so in a way, you know, understanding this journey that I've been on, oh boy, that's, for, that's a whole nother podcast too. I tell people when I came to the realization along my journey about where I wasn't doing all this stuff that I was telling everybody they should do. And why do, why am I, why do I know it so well? I tell everybody because I, most of the time I wasn't doing it. That's why I know it well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You've lived it, right? So you're able to teach it to uh, masses of people. Speaking of masses of people, uh, where can we find you on social media, Jerry? Um, well, it depends what you want to talk about. <laughs> if you want to, uh, right now, man, it's baseball season and my warriors are in the, uh, NBA playoffs. So if you want a lot of baseball and um, basketball and probably pictures of my bourbon drinks, I'd go to Twitter. So I'm on Twitter. I've been there 11 years. I'm pretty active there. I will fluctuate between baseball and patient engagement, patient experience stuff there all the time. Uh, Jerry underscore Durham PT. I like to tell everybody, if if you follow me on Twitter, you know Jerry. When you meet me face to face, you'll say, I know you. And that's my goal on Twitter. Mind you, my wife is my, I love, and purposefully, my wife is my editor there because I asked her to go through and periodically I'll look down at my phone midday and she'll be like, Jerry, take those two tweets down and I go back and take them down. Cause I get a little, you know, these days with politics in the States, it's, um, I try to stay away from that stuff, but you'll know Jerry on Twitter. Um, I'm on Instagram at Jerry Durham PT, share a lot of this content there. I'm on Facebook. My personal page is Jerry Durham. That's where I do my Facebook live every Tuesday at uh, 10, p, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time. I have a business Facebook page, Jerry Durham PT. So those are the best places. And again, the, uh, the Facebook lives, man, just go, go on my personal page and just watch the last like five, five videos that are on there and you'll get my stuff. I share all this on, I have given everything away for free. I got, a, I got a message from someone on Facebook about two months ago. I didn't even follow them. It said, hi, my name's so-and-so. I'm a practice owner in, in some state. It said, I just wanted to let you know that I have listened to every one of your podcasts and I've implemented everything you've shared in your podcast. And I want to share with you the success of my business over the last three years. This Facebook messenger post, they read like an email, then went on to post how successful their business has been. And at the end of it, it's she, it's a, it's a she practice owner. She says, I just wanted to let, say thank you and let you know 
that this stuff works. And so, you know, you can, my podcasts are on my, I share everything. I share everything. You know why? We talked about this earlier. I got tired of trying to get people to engage it. And I'm just like, fuck it. I'll record it. And the people who want to use it will use it. And, Mm -hmm. and then the rest of the people, you know, will say, Hey, can we talk about it more? I say, sure. So yeah. So all my podcasts, uh, sorry, my last, really the podcasts you want to listen to are on my website starts at 15, no 16. The first 15 are on iTunes at healthcare disruption. The next like 17 or 18 are on my website at jerrydurhampt.com forward slash podcasts. And you can go there. And the last seven episodes, I started what's called the front desk series. And it is just straight up front desk talk. And yet, as you guys found out, we can't talk front desk without patient experience. So there's some crossover, but the focus is the front desk. And my last one's pretty interesting. If you really want to know where I'm coming from these days, go listen to my last one. It's front desk series number seven. It's called what is customer service? Because my big gig anymore is customer service is a, uh, is a just a kind of a wastebasket term. It's to cop out again for people who don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So there you go. That's all the places you can find me. Awesome. I'm sure that there's going to be a few people, uh, a few, more than a few, many people that want to get in touch with you. Um, and oh, by uh, the way, if you want to get in touch with me, I'm going to tell you right now, you want to know the best way? Yeah. Text me at 415-509-3986. In the text, say, I heard you on the PTBC podcast. Start it up there and then I'll know the context. Anybody who wants can text me. I will, I will respond quicker there than anywhere else. If you want to talk to me, if you have a question for me, 415-509-3986. I heard you on the PTBC podcast. I still get texts from a podcast I was on probably seven to eight years ago. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. impact you're having. <laughs> All right, Jerry, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you coming out. Um, and, you know, we're definitely going to have another episode with you, so no doubt there. Um, and, you know, again, if there's any questions uh, anybody else has, you're welcome to uh, get in touch with Jerry through his uh, phone number, and uh, we'll have this podcast up and running for everybody to listen to. Uh, thanks again, and uh, we'll speak with you soon. Jerry, thanks. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.